doing this morning? Excited that we're uh, six weeks away. Anybody else excited about that? I know that I'm, 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 I'm getting a little excited about that. Hey, right before we begin, inside your worship guide, all of you guys should have been handed a worship guide. There's a little uh, sliver of paper that looks like this. Pull that out. I need your help. And so uh, I figured rather than guessing our future service times, I would let you help me pick some of those things out. And so on this card you see there are two sections. The first one is the service time I'm most likely to attend. I need you to check one of those, not five of them, one of them. And then the, the, the second one is, is my second choice for a service time would be check one of those. And if you would do that and drop it in the offering bucket at the end of service, it would help us out as we're choosing service times for our future Parkland location. Be extremely, extremely helpful. And so today, uh, I'm pumped for this weekend. I'm excited. I love this You Can series. I, I love talking about the potential that is in within every single one of us and how God wants to do some things in our lives. And so we're just going to dive right in. And so if you're taking notes today, we're going to be talking about you can break free. You can break free. Now, now, it didn't sound like anybody got real excited about breaking free. And uh, I'm not really sure why, because we're a church that we believe in helping people break free from addictions and bondages and, and all the things that are holding them back. And so I believe that God is going to break some people free here today. And, uh, and, and my hope is that some faith is going to rise up within you, and you're going to see God do something miraculous in your life like you've never seen him do before through some steps that you're going to take. And so I want to set this up. We're going to actually be looking at a scripture out of Numbers chapter 13, if you want to turn your Bible there. But let me kind of set up what is happening, because I think it, it needs to set up. So uh, there's a guy named Joseph who is an Israelite. He gets sold into slavery, eventually rises up into prominence in Egypt to where he is the second in command during the middle of a famine. Uh, his family comes to Egypt. Pharaoh, who is the leader of Egypt, invites his family to stay in Egypt. They actually gave him some of the best ground uh, and land to live on, and their family started flourishing. These 12, these 12 families all of a sudden started flourishing like never before, started growing in population. Uh, a, a generation passes. Uh, Joseph's legacy is very much in the minds of the Egyptian people. The Israelite people continue to expand and grow larger and larger. Another generation passes. There's a new Pharaoh. He doesn't know as much about Joseph. Another generation passes. Eventually, there comes a Pharaoh that knows nothing of Joseph and sees this group of people called the Israelites flourishing in this land called Egypt and realizes, man, our people are not doing as well as those people. And so rather than inviting them to leave the land of Egypt, they enslaved them. And they enslaved them for generations to where we're at a point that we're hundreds of years later. All that these people that have known that are, that are Israelites, God's chosen people, is slavery. All they've known is waking up in the morning, going to work for their master, coming home at night, getting to sleep, waking back up, going to work for their master day after day after day. I mean, they are just born into it. And all of a sudden, God sends them a man named Moses who is to liberate them from their slavery. He is to lead them into 
it, what is God's promised land for them. And so he approaches the Pharaoh that is now in charge and says, let my people go. You guys have seen the Charlton Heston movie or you've seen the Disney version of, of Moses. And, and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, they send 10 plagues. Pharaoh eventually lets them go. They cross over the Red Sea from slavery into this place called the wilderness. Now the wilderness isn't God's promise for them, but it is a place of freedom. It's this place that, that they are no longer slaves, but now they are free. And this, this God is saying to them, listen, you're no longer a slave, and, and you're free now, but I don't just want you free. I actually want you to go to this promised land, this land of blessing, this land of prominence, this land that is so much more for you in life. Like, I don't want you just to settle for normality. I want, want you to have everything that I've promised you in life. There's more for your life. And so I don't want you to be the tail any longer. I want you to actually be the head. I don't want you to be at the bottom any longer. I, don't, I want you to be at the top. I don't want you to be a slave any longer. I actually want to give you authority and prominence. And I have this place for you. And while I know all you've known is slavery, I've got a different existence for you. Now the reason I say all that is because metaphorically speaking, I believe that that is a clear depiction of the body of Christ. Most people find Jesus, and listen, Jesus doesn't just want to get you out of brokenness. He doesn't just want to set you free from captivity. God wants to make you healed and whole. God wants to give you um, a future and a hope. God wants to do more than just set you free. He wants you to live with potential. He wants you to live in the future that he's designed for you. But a lot of us, we never experience that. We never experience the place of blessing because all that we've known in life is our past. And so we settle instead for what life hands us. And so God goes, hey, I'm going to free these people, but there's a process to leading them to this place of blessing. And so Moses looks among the people, and he chooses 12 guys, and he says, hey, I'm going to send you to scout out this land of blessing. And he sends these, these 12 guys into the promised land for 40 days, and they scout out the land. And they're like, man, when they get there, they're like, man, it is everything that God said it would be. God said it was, would be awesome. It's awesome. God said it would be full of milk and honey. There's milk and honey everywhere. It's like you can look out and you see somebody with a good marriage and you're like, oh, that's a good marriage. Or you see somebody that's successful in life and you're like, oh, that's success. Like, I don't need somebody to tell me. I can see that. I, can, I know exactly what that looks like. And that's what they're experiencing. And, and, but that's not what they're living currently. And so there's a disconnect between where they are and where God wants them to go. And so they go to the land and they see all of that. But they also notice that there are some giants in the land. There are some, some men of Anak. And, and, and they come back and two of the spies... Joshua and Caleb, they're full of faith. They are like, you know what? We know that there are obstacles in the land of blessing. And just FYI, a lot of us, we want the land of blessing, but we fail to realize that there's an obstacle to every blessing. A lot of us are trying to get a free meal ticket of blessing without the pain that's associated with going there to get it. And every blessing has an obstacle that you're going to have to go through to receive it in life. And so there's, there's an old saying, new levels, new devils. Anybody ever heard that before? No? You all need to get in church some more then. That's what that's telling me. 
you're a bunch of unchurched people. That's fine. You keep coming here. We'll tell you new levels, new devils. Uh, so they come back, and they're like, the land is good. God is good. We can definitely take the land. And then we pick up in Numbers chapter 13, and here's what the other ten responded. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. They said, we can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelite people. Now, at this time, the Israelites, the scholars estimate they were between 2 and 4 million people. And here we have 10 guys who saw what God wanted them to have. In fact, they, they not only saw it, but they're like, man, it's true, and it's good, and it's great, and it's awesome. And they don't deny that the land is good, but they're afraid of the opposition, and they're afraid of the obstacles, and so they come back and they spread this report of fear. So check this out. Ten people create a fearful mentality in two to four million people. And I hear people all the time tell me, my associations don't make any difference. Baloney. Ten people. One Facebook post, one tweet, one piece of gossip, one CNN or Fox News reports can instill something in a people even if it's not true. It says the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt, now I want to stop right there, and I want you to circle the word felt right there, because I want to highlight this word felt. It doesn't say that the, the Israelites were little. It doesn't say that they weren't strong. It doesn't say that they couldn't beat them. It doesn't say that they couldn't win. It says we felt. God didn't say. They didn't say. We felt says, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Now, the reason they thought that is because they felt that. It had nothing to do with God because God had promised them the land. He never said there was going to be opposition, but just because there was opposition doesn't mean that what he said was not true. And that doesn't negate the fact that if he said they could have it, they could have it. If God said, I can have it, I can have it. If God said, you can have it, you can have it. So if God said, you can be sober, you know what you can be? You can be sober. If God said you can break free from that addiction, you can break free from that addiction. If God said he can heal your marriage, you know what can happen? He'll heal your marriage. If God said it, it means that he has to do it. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have to maybe get some counseling. It doesn't mean that maybe you're not going to have to do some work. There's some things that are going to have to go with it. It just means that we have a big God who is able to do impossible things. And he said, if he said it, you can have it. The problem with that is how we feel. Anybody notice that their feelings get in a lot of their ways? It's our feelings. And here's where kind of God rocked my world. 
in 2 Corinthians, when I was reading this, this is what kind of brought this all together. It says, dear, dear Corinthians, that could be dear, dear Marcia, that could be dear, dear John, that could be dear, dear Felipe, that could be dear, dear Isabel, it could be dear, dear, insert your name there. He says, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. He goes, we didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. It comes from within you. See, God's not fencing you in. God's not trying to limit your life. God's not trying to limit your finances. God's not trying to limit your influence. God's not trying to limit you based on where you're from. Oh, you're from Margate. You can never do anything. No, 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 no. God's not limiting you. The smallness you feel comes from within you. We felt like grasshoppers. We weren't grasshoppers, but we felt like it. That smallness, God's not putting that on you. In fact, God says, I've got a wide open, spacious life for you. It says, your lives aren't small. And some of you need to hear that today. Your lives aren't small. Your life is not small. It's not mediocre. It's not meaningless. It's not purposeless. Your life is not small or a waste of space or a leftover. Your lives are not small, but you're living them in a small way. Which means you have untapped potential. And the only thing that's holding you back from that is you. He says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. He's like, I just want to give you a hug. Open up your lives and live openly and expansively. Now, I want you to see that this is real for us today, and I, I believe it impacts a lot of our psyche and how we operate and how we live in life. And, and one of the greatest Examples that I think relates to us is there is a syndrome that's out there that is called the baby elephant syndrome. I'm not talking about elephant syndrome, which is a deformity to humans. I'm talking about a mentality that is out there called the baby elephant syndrome. And what, that, what it entails is they will take a baby elephant that is in captivity, and they will take it at a very, very young age, and they'll wrap a rope around its ankle and tie it to a 150-pound weight. And that baby elephant will struggle and will pull as hard as he can against that weight. But over a period of time, he'll start to realize that he doesn't have the strength to be able to move that weight. And so at a very, very young age, he will give up ever trying to break free from that weight in his life. And so what happens is, is he, as a baby, is born into an environment that is restrictive so that later on when he is fully grown and over 11 feet tall and 13,000 pounds, that same God that used to put a 150-pound weight and a rope around his ankle will go and take a two-foot stick and hammer it into a ground in a thin piece of rope and tie it around that elephant's ankle, and that elephant will never move into the wide open, spacious life that he was designed for. He will stay restricted because of what he was said, because in his mind, he still feels small. He's still living small. Because of what happened to him in his past. 
because he feels like a grasshopper, because of what he was born into, he now has put limitations on his ability, saying that he can't take territory that he was designed to take. And he stays captive for the rest of his life. Church, can I tell you something? Some of you are shackled with a toothpick and a piece of yarn. I'm telling you, you are shackled by what people have told you in your past, where you have grown up in, the environment you came from, and you have allowed a toothpick and a piece of yarn to keep you in a place that God never intended for you to live. You lived in the confines of your past rather than living in the wide open, spacious life that God has designed for you. The way you have felt has kept you from the life God designed you for. Some of you, You've got elephant syndrome and you didn't even know it. See, the thing that I know about all of us is when we were born into this world, we were born into this thing called sin. And sin separates us. It confines us. It limits us in life. But the moment you found a relationship with Jesus, you were set free from that bondage, but a lot of us still live with that bondage in our life. And we're still captive by things of the past, even though now you've been set free. In fact, John chapter 8, Jesus actually says this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son, Jesus, sets you free, you are truly free. And what God wants all of us to know here today that have found Christ is that there is nothing that is keeping you in that position but you. You're bigger than the rope. You're bigger than your past. You're bigger than the stake. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? It's time for some of you to kick it off and break free. It's time for some of you to start to walk into the freedom that has already been given to you, but you're allowing yourself to be shackled. But I also believe that there are some characteristics and some mentalities that some of us have taken on that are limiting us in life. And so I want to talk about some small living people. There are some characteristics that small living people have. And if you're taking notes today, number one, small living people have small heads. Everybody say small heads. You're like, that is weird. What are you talking about? Like, a, a baby's head is a small head. Like, I understand a baby's head is bigger than their body, but that head is still small, right? It fits in your hands. The amount of thinking that that brain can articulate is very small. Small living people have small heads. Their thinking is small. They think their past experience is going to dictate what their future will look like. So here's exactly what happens with these 10 spies who are small-headed people. They went to the promised land, and they saw opposition. They saw obstacles, and they assumed that because they saw opposition, that it was the same kind of opposition they had when they were slaves, that that was the same thing that they would experience now that they were free people. They assumed that their past was going to predicate and dictate their future. And so they said to themselves, if those people dominated us, therefore these people will dominate us. 
What they didn't know is that when they were being dominated before, they were doing that all on their own. But now they had something inside them that they didn't used to have. They had the spirit of the living God within them. And all of a sudden the spirit of the living God is going, hey, you can take this ground. And not because you have the power and the ability to do it, but because I do. And if you'll trust in me, you'll see the impossible done in your life. But what ends up happening is if you're a small thinking person, you'll start thinking about what was and you'll assume that that is all that is ever going to be. It's a small-headed mentality. But big-headed people, say big head. Come on, say big head. Big-headed people that break free, they don't believe in the word impossible because they serve a God of the impossible. They realize that, you know what, I might have to be the first to do something. You know, the reason they were all scared is because they were all slaves. They had never gone and taken land before. They had never gone and become free and overcome some giants before. And they realized, man, if, if we're ever going to do that, somebody's got to go do that first, and it might as well be me. See, some of us have got to realize that what God is calling us to, nobody else has ever done. So therefore, if we're to walk in the thing that God has for us, we're going to have to be the first ones to ever do it. Which means there is going to be no way that's already paid for us. We get to pave the way. We get to make the way. And we've got to have big-headed mentality in order to do that. We've got to see things not as, though they, not as they are, but as though they should be. In fact, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, I, the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What that means is, is what you're looking at right now is subject to change if you have the right thinking, if you've got the right head going on. And as a church, we're a big thinking church. Listen, the reason it's such a struggle in Parkland is because we're the first church to ever go in there right now. Nobody else has ever taken that land. Is that We've had to go through things that nobody else was willing to go through. Why? Because nobody else had a roadmap. We just decided, hey, we're going to be the first. And we're going to continue to be the first. And we're going to continue to do things that people go, that's stupid because you've never seen it before. Small living people have small heads. Number two, small living people have small hands. Itty bitty, tiny hands. They can't handle much. They don't like responsibility in life. See, these men knew that when they went to the promised land, the reason they didn't want to go back to the promised land is they knew that they would have to fight. See, they just wanted God to keep doing the miracles and them just experience the benefits from it. They didn't actually want to participate in the miracle that God was trying to do. And so when God puts responsibility in their hands, they're like, no way. They're like, we don't, we don't want that responsibility. The reason some of you are still small is because every time God goes to bless you, he also puts responsibility in your hand and you just tap out and go, I'm out. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to serve other people. I, I, I'm busy watching YouTube videos. Pray for people. That, that's scary. I don't have time. Want to know why? Small hands. Small hands. I'm kind of going to throw my wife under the the bus here, but I just, I just have to. Listen, this is Vegas here. Creek, you don't, you don't tell Shayla what happens here. It's the rule. If you don't know that rule, I'm, 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 I'm putting it out there for you right now. See, 
See, every time, like, we, we, we drive in the car and we, we stop somewhere, we get home, I go and I grab Alexander out of the back seat, I put his backpack on, I'll grab, like, his extra bottles, his toys, all this thing. I'll be carrying, like, Alexander and 30 things, and my wife will get out of the car and she'll have, like, her purse and her keys in her hand, and she'll be like, hey, can you, can you grab uh, my, my pencil? And I'm like, Grab your pencil yourself. She's like, my hands are full. I'm like, babe, you got a purse and a set of keys. Put them in your pocket, sling it over your neck. <laughs> but my hands are full, babe. Can you just get it for me? I'm like, put the pencil behind your ear. I don't really care. But it's how some of us are bound in slavery. We have small hands. You're like, oh, my life is already so stacked and you don't even have anything on it yet. And God can't bless you with what he wants to give you because you have small hands. You're like, God, give me more blessing, but you can't even handle the blessing he's already given you. People that break free understand that the more blessing means more responsibility, and it means if I'm going to get more from God, I've got to handle more of God. I've got to enlarge my capacity. I've got to expand a little bit. I've got to grow my hands. I've got to grow my width. I've got to grow what I can handle in life, and, and I can't keep giving the excuses that I used to give when I was in slavery because now I'm free, and I've got a choice. And Coastal, man, we gotta, we got to continue to have big hands. we got to continue to say, you know what, God, you, we want more people. We're going to continue to expand and open up ourselves. And, and, and that's why we're telling you all the time, man, get involved. Start serving somebody because we want to have a capacity for everything God wants to send our way. Which means that we've got to open ourselves up and we've got to be available for how he wants to use us and move in us. And so, man, small hands. we got to have big hands, church. Small living people, number three, have small mouths, immature mouths, always critical. Must be nice to drive that new car I'm driving a Yugo. Must be nice to have a land of blessing. I've got a cardboard box. Must be nice. They're, I mean, like, they're always looking at your situation and being critical of it. They're always looking and complaining. They're always seeing problems. They're always speaking out of a, a, a voice of fear. Some of you guys struggle with small mouth syndrome. You're critical and you speak out of fear. And what God keeps trying to do is he keeps trying to enlarge your world. He keeps trying to send people into your life. And all you're doing being is critical of those people that are successful. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to show you a picture of who you could be, but all you are is critical of it. Those guys went there and they saw the blessing of God and they came back and they found a way to mess it up. Will God... I'm just a big old elephant, and this rope is so tight, I guess I can't move it. Big people that break free, they open up their mouth, and they speak faith. They don't speak out of fear. Big people that break free aren't scared to make a declaration. Big people that, that have a big mouth are willing to put their mouth where God is. 
I mean, you think about it, 40 years later when these jokers got their act together and they ended up going in the land, what did they do? For seven days, they marched around a city called Jericho. And then what did they do to go into the land? They announced themselves with a shout of praise. They had to make a declaration of faith. Hey, we're here. You're like, my pastor's crazy today. Yes, I am. They had to get a big mouth. They had to shout with a voice of triumph, with a voice of praise. It's one of the reasons why we come here and we worship God. And we make a declaration and we shout it out, man. I'm going to shout it out. I'm going to trust God, man. The, the Life, all this stuff that's going on, man, it should tremble in the presence of God. And the reason some of us are not experiencing the breakthrough that we have in our life is because we're not shouting out our faith in God. See, there's some people that they're, they're shouting me down every week. Man, that's good. Amen. Now, those of you like, they should just shut up. No, no, no. See, you're going to be mad at them when they get their breakthrough for shouting it out. You're going to be like, well, why didn't you bless me? Because you got a small mouth. Better get a big mouth. For some of you, your breakthrough is going to happen with a shout. It's going to happen when you start praising God in spite of your circumstances. When you start telling God how great he is in spite of how terrible your life is right now. For some of you, it's going to come from when you start declaring some things. God, I'm tired of this. I'm not staying in the same place. I'm not going to be broken any longer. I'm not going to be addicted any longer. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. I trust you with all of my heart and soul. And I'm going to run after you with all my heart. And I'm going to break free with some praise in this place. Small living people, number four, they have small arms. Small arms. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. Every husband, you know this. You'll hear your wife in the kitchen. Hey, babe, I can't reach this. Can you come get this? Come on, guys, go ahead, nod your head. Just wives, look the other direction. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about? You know, I can't, I can't reach it, I can't get it. But you darn well know if that was a box of cookies, they'd waddle their fat butt up there and get them. Can we edit that out right there? <laughs> just... Everybody's laughing because they know that that's true right there. <laughs> that might have been inappropriate, but I, I apologize. <laughs> See, it's not that they can't reach, it's that they won't reach. Small living people with small arms are always looking for a handout. I just want, it's really not fair. Why do they always, like, why doesn't that ever happen to me? See, what's interesting is, is when you come out of slavery, when you find Christ, Jesus brings you to the wilderness, and in the wilderness, God provides everything. It's like the most miraculous time of your faith because miracles are happening. I mean, God is just blowing your mind in that season because you just came out of slavery. You don't even know what it's like to be free, and God is just trying to help you to see that, man, he's good, he's awesome, he's got great things for your life. But then there comes a point where you're supposed to move from the wilderness into the promised land. The problem is, is that 
When you move from the wilderness to the promised land, there is this dirty four-letter word that you're going to have to do called work. So if you want to have breakthrough in your life, you're actually going to have to do some work. You're going to have to put your hand to the plow. God's not going to give you something that you're not willing to go get for yourself. So what does that mean? That means for some of you, you need to go fill out the application. For others of you, that means you need to go call the marriage counselor. For others of you, you need to show up at a Financial Peace Connect group. For others of you, maybe you need to read your Bible. You need to worship God on your own. Listen, church is not meant to be your substitute for your relationship with God. It's meant to be your supplement. There should have been a lot more that's good right there. I'm just telling you that. <laughs> right? It's to supplement what you're already doing in your relationship with God. See, when you want breakthrough in your life, you've got to begin to reach out. Well, Pastor DJ, their blessing's just too high for me. Well, how bad do you want it? Because I've found that people that want it, where there's a will, there's a way. If you really want something bad, you'll find it. That's why you got a new iPhone, but you can't pay your water bill. Why? Because you wanted that. You were able to reach out for that. See, people who want it and break free not only reach out for themselves, but they also reach out for other people. They realize God has allowed me to be, get a blessing, but also to be a blessing. People with small arms, not only will they not help themselves, they won't help anybody else. Number five, small living people have small eyes. Small eyes. They can't see God do anything big in their life. Not only can they not see God do anything big in their life, they can't see God do anything big in your life. You all have some friends like this. Like, not only can they not see God doing something big in their life, they don't ever want to see God doing something big in your life. And they will discourage you, and they will talk small about you, in a small odd, small living person, they, they, they have no vision. They can't see beyond their circumstances. They're short-sighted in life. And so they'll, they'll always make decisions that will appeal today and never think about tomorrow. It's why, it's why a small, uh, small odd person, a small living person will look at their marriage and go, you know what, my marriage isn't very good right now. I don't feel like my, my wife loves me, but you know what, there's a strip club right over here, and, and you know what, it'd make me feel good to go over there and get a buffet and, and look at some booty, and, and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do that because that's going to make me feel good today, re not realizing that because they're short-sighted, they're ruining their marriage for tomorrow. Small living people have, number six, small legs. Man, I need to roll. Small legs. Parents, you understand this. Maybe you have siblings, you'll understand this. Uh, if you have kids or have some younger siblings, you'll notice that you, you go somewhere and you're just walking at your pace and you look around and like your sibling or your kid is nowhere around. Why? Because they're like 30 steps behind you. Why? They have small legs, right? You're like, and then they'll be like, oh, I'm so tired. Why? You're younger. You should have way more energy than me, right? But they have small legs. Small living people with small legs 
unwilling to take their next step. They're unwilling to move forward. They have a million excuses. You don't understand. You don't get it. It's easy for you. You know, for every step you take, I have to take five steps. It's easy for you because of the family you were born into. It's easy for you because of, of the education you got. It's easy for you because of your skin tone. It's easy for you because of your skill or your talent or your gift. But how do you think those people got to that place? They took steps. Joshua and Caleb, they took the same amount of steps as the 10 other spots to go to the land, check it out, see that it was good, see that it was all that in a bag of chips and everything that God promised. They took the same amount of steps to get back to tell everybody how awesome it was. The only difference was is the other 10 got fearful and were unwilling to take any more steps. It's the rope on the elephant's leg. All he has to do is to take one step One step, and he's free. And the first step is always the hardest. The first step is always the hardest. Listen, the first time you come in to worship and decide, I'm going to lift my hands, I promise you, that day, that's going to be the hardest time you ever do it. Because the first time is always the hardest. The first time you say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with the first 10% of my income. The first time you write that check or do that credit card, it's like, ah, oh, what am I? It's hard. The first time you even walk into church, you're like, ah, oh, this is so hard. Are these people weird? Are they, they, they psycho? Are they a cult? Like, it's, it's hard. But the second time, it's way easier. It's always harder the first time. And small-legged people, they don't ever want to take the first step. And if the elephant just knew that that first step, if you just knew that that first step was going to break your addiction, if you just knew that that first step was going to heal your marriage, if you just knew that that, that first step was going to catapult your business into a new level, if you just knew that that first step was going to change everything about your future. It's the first step that's always the hardest. But big people know that the first step is the step to breaking free. And I don't know what step it is that you need to take here today. Maybe it's a step of realizing that you're a sinner in need of a God who's got some wide open pastures and some wide open spaces for you and you've been living in the confines of your past and your sin and your shame and your guilt. And maybe today is the day that you need to take a step and cross the line of faith. Maybe for others of you, the step you need to take is you've been isolating yourselves and maybe today is the day you need to go and take a step into a connect group and get involved in some community with other people who will encourage you and build you up and push you towards that wide open space. Maybe today is the day you do need to call the counselor for your marriage. Maybe today is that step that's gonna change everything for your relationship. Maybe today is the step that you need to take is you need to choose to forgive. 
I don't know what step it is for you. And I know it may not feel like the right thing to do. But feelings are meant to be indicators, not dictators. Don't let your feelings keep you chained up with a toothpick and a piece of yarn when God's got a wide open, expansive space, a place of blessing, just waiting on the other side. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to lead you.